Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. What's up Wednesday night? How are you guys? How you doing? I'm so glad that you're here. We also want to give a huge welcome to all of our friends online. Can we welcome them today as well? Thanks for being with us. Man, I'm so glad to see you guys tonight. Uh, the rain has quit for at least a short time, and uh, glad to see you guys here with us. Um, you know, Mason mentioned Ricky. We're just going to pray for, uh, for him and for his mom together. Can we do that as a church and just lift them up? Uh, Jesus, we, we pray for uh, the Lion family. We pray for your grace on whatever's going on in their lives right now. God, we don't really know, but you know. So God, we pray for your peace in, in a moment of turmoil. God, we, uh, we just ask that your grace would be poured out, God, that this would be a minor situation or maybe a, a false alarm, uh, God, and uh, we just ask you to move and to show yourself, uh, and we just pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So thanks for being with us tonight, you guys. We are in a series uh, called Crooked Crowns, talking about leadership, good leadership and bad leadership, and, and we've all experienced different kinds of leaders. Uh, I think throughout our lives, we've, we've seen people uh, lead really well for a long period of time and then make one decision. One decision seems to be all it takes to throw away years of really good leadership. And so we've been walking through these different kings of Israel and, and kind of learning from their experiences, learning what to do and what not to do. And uh, in fact, I just have to do this. We have one of my favorite leaders here tonight. Where's Mr. Rod Pepping uh, and his wife? There they are. Can we give them a hand tonight? If you don't know Rod, uh, Rod was a pastor of ACF Church before uh, I was pastor, and so if you're new, you, you don't know that family, but uh, definitely you guys are some of my favorite people in the world, and Rod, is, Rod just thank you for, for leaving a great legacy at ACF, and so I just want to thank you for that, because in this series, it fits so well just to, to think for me, um, you know, I was able to step in as senior pastor at ACF about two years ago, and uh, to, to walk in Pastor Rod's footsteps, and to step into a good situation with healthy leaders and a healthy uh, DNA in a church is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. You guys have seen uh, churches fall apart, right? You've seen pastors fall out of ministry. You've seen moral failures and things just go terribly wrong. And it tarnishes the, uh, the perspective that people have on the church, doesn't it? And so we know that. And although, you know, we know we're all broken people and uh, God knows I make mistakes. God knows I've got uh, my own issues, my own problems. And I think most of you know at this point that I've got a lot of problems as well. Uh, it's a beautiful thing when, uh, when God's church works as it's supposed to, when there's great leaders um, in, in this place. So anyway, thanks, thanks for leading we love you guys a ton. But uh, this series so far, we've talked about King David and how King David uh, had this issue with this woman Bathsheba. He walked right up to the edge and then he stepped over the edge, right? But all the while, he had this man of God speaking in his ears. His name was Nathan. And Nathan was speaking to King David and he was telling him, you know, this is not the right. He told him a story about, you know, this man who stole from this other man, his, his, uh, his little, little sheep, it was his only little sheep. And it's like, uh, you know, King David was really upset about that. And, you know, he realized, no, I I'm the one who's stealing from this other man, stealing this woman who is married to this other man. And so we saw this, this great leader fall. 
And we learned about uh, King, uh, King Uzziah, who had uh, Azariah speaking into his ear, saying, you know, listen, we want to honor God with everything we have. Go all the way for God. Last week, we learned about King Saul. And, uh, you know, K- King Saul had Samuel speaking in his ear. So this week, we're learning about uh, King Ahab. And so before we get into that, there's a, been a passage that I just want to read uh, in Psalm 23. And now this may be one of the most famous psalms in the Bible. And I want to read this to start us off. And I think it's going to make sense how it all connects as we get there. I don't think it's on the screen, but you can open it up if you have a Bible as well. You might have heard this before. It just starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare me a table before me in your presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a great passage? Isn't that good stuff? Uh, if, if you haven't read that before, uh, that might be new for you, but for me, this is a passage I grew up with. This is something that my grandparents, I remember sitting at the breakfast table with them. They'd hold hands. They'd read Psalm 23. This, this psalm in, in particular really gives us some perspective on life, doesn't it? And it starts off with this great, great uh, passage, uh, great verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I love that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everything else that we read in this passage springs from that reality. So I mentioned that like I took over as a lead pastor two years ago. Before that, I was a worship pastor. And before that, I was a youth pastor because I love teenagers. Any teenagers in the room? Any teenagers? We got some teenagers. I love you guys. I love hanging out with you guys. Sometimes I want to just go back and be a youth pastor because I love hanging out with students so much. You you adults, you're cool too. Um, But I just love hanging out with teenagers. And uh, I was back in Colorado, uh, a youth pastor at a church there. We were doing our big fall kickoff, just like we're doing as a church here, and so it was a big opportunity to reach new kids in the city, and so I wanted to give a bunch of stuff away, I wanted to do some big competitions, and so I had it all set up. I had an iPod. This is like iPods were the new thing, right? It was so cool. We have iPods. So I was going to give away an iPod, and uh, the competition was a hot wing eating competition, and, and so that's kind of that's usual, you know, kids like doing ga- eating games and things like that, but this wasn't just any kinds of hot wings, and so I went online and I ordered what's called uh, Dave's Insanity hot sauce. You guys ever heard of Dave's Insanity? If you've never had Dave's Insanity, you can hear the groans in the room. Like, go get you some Dave's Insanity, and you'll totally understand this story in a new way. Um, and so I just covered these wings with Dave's Insanity hot sauce. And, and so I had, I think, five guys and three girls volunteer for the competition. And essentially, it was the first to, the, the last to tap out was the one that won. So the person that could last the longest eating these wings would win the competition. And so, you know, I, I, I ring the horn. There's kids all over the place. They're screaming. The yelling, the energy's high. And so I look over at the guys, they're all standing together, and the guys are just kind of nibbling away at these hot wings, being ever so careful with how they eat them. I look over at the girls, and they have gone face first into these hot wings. Like, it's on their face, it's on their, their cheeks, it's all over, it's in their hair, and they're just like eating these hot wings, mounting them down. The guys are just, you know, very carefully eating the hot wings. And then finally, it really quickly, actually, the girls, they, they just tapped out and ran to the bathroom, right? And so a couple minutes later, competition's done, you know, one of the guys won, and th- th- this girl comes up with her two friends, and so she has uh, red hair, very light, fair skin, and she's got this towel up against her face. And she's like, Pastor Brian, Pastor Brian, look at this. And so she 
pulls the towel away from her face, and blood starts coming from her pores. I've never seen anything like it. It's like a horror movie at the church. And so there's blood, I don't know, like Dave's Insanity Sauce and all kinds of stuff coming out from the pores of her face. It turned out she had had a facial earlier that day. And so like all of the pores in her face were opened up. And so this hot sauce just went in. I've never seen anything. I was like, I'm fired. I'm done. This is the end. And that's how I ended up in Alaska. So no, it's not. But it would have made sense. So... Um, they were gracious. Mom and dad were gracious. But I, just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this girl was just bleeding from her pores. But it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me what we'll do for a little iPod, isn't it? I mean, what would you do for something that you really wanted? As you think back into your story, you think of things that you really wanted in your life and what you were willing to go through to get those things. And I think of this passage that starts, starts off with this one statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. This word want could maybe even be better translated, I shall not need. And we have this conversation a lot in my house, uh, you know, with my kids. They like to say, I, I need this, I need that, I need this. And as a dad, what do we first say? We say, you know, you want that. There's, there's a want and there's a need. And so this passage really says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I'm not going to need anything. When I'm following Jesus, when he is the one guiding me, if you think about a shepherd, a shepherd is one who cares for the sheep, who gives everything to the sheep. The sheep don't have to worry about it, right? It's kinda, they just kind of wander around, follow the shepherd. They know there's going to be food. They know they're going to be safe. They know, they know they're going to have a place to be. And they just follow the shepherd around. And so I wanted to start off with this because I wonder, like, I wonder if this is how our lives look. Are you a person that wants things? Are you a person that is constantly wanting things? Are you a person that's always thinking about that next thing that you want to acquire? Because I am, I'll be honest. I want a lot of stuff. And so I read this and I'm convicted, like, what does it mean if I want? What does it mean if I'm always wanting things? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means I have a shepherd problem, don't I? means I've got an issue with who I'm following and what I'm really about. If we're honest about it, if we're honest about it, we all can be pretty greedy, can't we? There's a passage in Proverbs that says this, Proverbs 15, 27 says, the greedy bring ruin to their household, but the one who hates bribes will live. The greedy will bring ruin to their household, but the one who hates bribes will live. Essentially, what that girl was doing to, to, to end up with sauce all over her face was taking a bribe, wasn't she? She wanted to get something, and so she was willing to go through a lot to get it. And I've seen this in my life where I've been willing to do a lot to get things, but not really knowing if those things were what I was supposed to be pursuing. A bribe is essentially this, to be persuaded away from our convictions, to do something to get what we want, right? And I don't know if you've ever actually taken a bribe Maybe, maybe you're like, well, I've never, nobody's ever handed me dollar bills to go do something that I didn't think was right. But essentially, when we want something that God isn't giving to us, that, that thing, whatever that thing is, is the bribe in our life that is drawing us away from the shepherd. That thing essentially is the thing that we're after. And so what I want to say to you tonight is that whatever's guiding you is what got, what's got you. Like, whatever's guiding you is what, what's got you. So whatever it is that you dream about, that you think about, that you just yearn for, that you want, that you think about, like how could I just, you come up with ideas late at night on how to acquire whatever this is or how to accomplish whatever that may be. Whatever that is, is what's guiding you. And, and, and if you just ask yourself, do I have all the things that are in this, in this scripture? 
He leads me by, beside still waters. He restores my soul. You just sense like peace in the soul when you read this, don't you? It's laying by still water with, 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 your, with your shepherd, going through green pastures. I, I got all the food I need. I got everything that I want. I've got comfort from God. Essentially everything overflowing from God. And if you just think about your life and you're lacking those things, it probably is identifying a different shepherd than the Lord himself. And so what we're going to talk about today is this king. This king who had somebody speaking in his ear who was drawn away from God as his shepherd towards other things. And so let's pray. We're going to go to God's word. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you that you're here with us. God, uh, we just, we're, we're grateful for all that we have. Um, but if we're honest, we could be a lot more grateful. Um, and God, I just ask that you'd convict our hearts tonight, speak to us in a deep and powerful way, in a profound way. God, we want to encounter the, the one and true living God tonight, and we just declare you're in this place, and that you love us, and that you want to restore our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you want to flip over, to book of the book of First Kings. First Kings is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to go to chapter 16 is where we're going to start off. So I start off with this question, what would you do to get what you want? We're going to learn about this man named King Ahab. And I want to read this passage in verse 25. It says, Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did more evil than all who were before him. And skip ahead to verse and it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. Okay, so Omri is Ahab's father. And, and we don't know a ton about Omri, but we understand that he was a man who gave himself to other gods, who led people into idolatry. And what we understand is this. As parents, we know this. Like the sins and the, the problems that we don't deal with in our lives end up passed on to our kids. I mean, you've said it before. You're just like me, Right? Or maybe you've heard it before, you're just like your father. Or you're just like your mother, you know, which is not a good thing to say to your wife, man, right? Don't say, just be careful when you say that and how you say that. It could get you in a lot of trouble. But we know this, we have to be careful about the things that we don't deal with because undealt with issues will be passed on to the next generation. So we see this, this man, Omri, and then we see this, this man, Ahab, and it says, both of them did more evil than all who were before them. That's a pretty big resume, isn't it? I mean, you did more evil, and that's a lot to say. There was a lot of evil things that were done before these men, and it says, and as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Okay, so what we, what we read now about King Ahab is that he goes off and he marries this woman. It says, and as if it would be like a small thing to walk in the footsteps of Jeroboam. Jeroboam, same thing, a man that led people into idolatry. He looks back on where he's come from and he doesn't see it as, as a problem, right? He doesn't, he's not convicted by the sins of those who have come before him. And so he sees this, he, he moves on and takes this woman as his bride, Jezebel. It's a great name, right? Jezebel. And Jezebel, is, is, she is a princess of this man who is a priest to this pagan god. And so what we have here is Ahab, who's supposed to be leading God's people, taking a bride who is outside of God's people and who is worshiping this other god. And what we see all throughout Scripture with, with all these different kings is whenever this happened, whenever a king married outside of the family of God, the people always ended up worshiping other gods. 
They always end up with their priorities all screwed up, worshiping all kinds of different gods. And so he takes this woman as his wife. And we don't know what was driving this man, but something in his head said, this is worth it. And I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to give up what I know is right to follow my desires. Let's read on in verse 32. It says, He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. An Asherah is this pole, like this, this pole from the ground that they would have used as a place of worship, oftentimes like on a high hill somewhere, carved out. And they, that would be a place that they would worship Baal. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. That's pretty huge, again. Did more to provoke the Lord. So it's like Ahab is like poking the God of the universe. You ever been provoked before? I just think like when I was in kid, a kid in grade school, I had this kid that would sit behind me and he'd flick my ears, right? Just flick my ears until finally one day I couldn't take it anymore. I punched him right in the face. I couldn't help him. I was just so upset. I turned around and I got expelled and it was just, it was a huge deal. But this kid, all year long, flick, flick, driving me crazy. And it's like in this moment, what, you, what we see is that, that Ahab is provoking God. And God is a God of grace, but he's also a God of justice. And, and we see Ahab living in a way that is provoking the Lord God. Not a place you want to be, is it? And as I read this, I'm like, I don't think I want to be like any of these people, right? We read of Jeroboam, the sins of Jeroboam. This is something that is said throughout the book of 1 Kings, the sins of Jeroboam. It's like he was a verb at this point, you know? He was just known for idolatry. It's like, oh, there's somebody pulling a Jeroboam again, you know, worshiping other things, other gods, you know, just going off and doing his crazy thing. That, that's not a good thing. I don't want to be known as a verb, like, oh, there's Brian, someone doing a Brian, you know, there they go. But this is what this man was known for, and King Ahab follows in his footsteps. So I want to, I want to flip ahead uh, to 1 Kings 21. And I want you to write this first thing down as, as you're going there, and that's this, that greed is an expression of idolatry. If you see greed in your life, it's there because you have forgotten who God is. Greed is an expression of idolatry. This man, in this moment, starts, he marries outside of the family. He's pursuing things that God does not want for him. And because of that, he ends up wanting more and more out of his life. We're going, to see, uh, we're going to see this as it continues on. Let's read in chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel, beside the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Okay, so we've got, we've got Ahab, we've got Jezebel, they're shacking it up together, they've got this life together, and they've got this big palace. And then next to the palace is this beautiful, beautiful piece of land. And, and all of a sudden, Ahab gets this thing in his head. You know what I need? A vegetable garden. And he just starts dreaming about it, man, a vegetable garden. He's just up at night, a vegetable garden. This is all I want out of life, this, this vegetable garden. You know, he's just so hungry for some, you know, some, some fresh vegetables. This is all he thinks about. And so he goes to Naboth, and he goes to this man. And he says, hey, I've got, a, I've got a deal for you. I've got a deal for you. I'm going to give you a better piece of land, or I'll give you a lot of money for this vegetable, for this little piece of land for my vegetable garden. I, I want your vineyard, Naboth. Okay. Here's the problem. He says, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Now, that's not, the Lord forbid is not just like a statement 
He's not just throwing that out there. Literally, the Lord did forbid this. This was Naboth's family's land. And under the law of Moses, he was not to sell this off. He was, to, he was to keep this land in his family. So here we have Naboth coming face to face with a bribe. And it's a good one, right? It's an opportunity. And it's, it's hard. We talked about this last week. It's hard to turn down opportunities. It's hard. And so we see Naboth. He's like wrestling with it. But he's like, God forbid this. He's asking himself a really good question. If you've ever been bribed or had an opportunity to go towards something you know isn't good for you or you know God doesn't have for you or hasn't promised for you, there's a good question you should ask. And it's not the question, can I? It's the question, should I? There's two different questions, right? Could he have done this? Absolutely. But should he do this? Totally different question. And and I think we'd be surprised how often we don't actually shift that question in our minds. And people even, they don't always help us in this as well. Imagine like a friend of mine comes up and they're like, hey, Brian, um, can you and your wife come with us to the Double Muskie for a steak tonight? You guys ever been to the Double Muskie? My favorite place to eat. So like, can you come to the, well, here's the thing. It's expensive, right? I mean, you drop a hundred bucks in no time on a good steak. Now that's an interesting question. Can you and your wife come with us? Well, essentially, Yeah. We could, but let's just say I've had a terrible week, you know, financially, and we've had some medical bills, the cars broke down, things are not going well. And so I need to shift the question from can I go with you to should I go with you? And and it's an important shift, isn't it? And I would say this, a lot of what consumes our minds, a lot of the things that we want, here's the problem, they're not things that God has said should be ours. Like, what if the things that you can get aren't necessarily the things that you should get? Certainly, you just look at the world, and everybody's got a plan for your finances, don't they? Everybody around you, just watch the TV for five minutes, listen to the radio, drive, you know, down the Glen, drive down the Seward Highway, you're just going to see balloons, and everybody can give you money now, right? You can have your money right now, and you can spend it all. Everybody's got a plan for your finances. They, they have a plan for what you should do and for what you need in your life. But the question is, do you have a plan for that? Do you know the the difference between the things that you can do and the things that you should do? Naboth is asking a great question. Should I do this? And and he responds back, God forbid. No, this isn't right. This isn't something that I'm supposed to do. I should write this down. Greed says what's yours is mine. Greed says what's yours is mine. Essentially, what we see in this moment is Ahab is looking at Naboth and he's like, hey, I can have what you have. Just just give me me the price. Tell me your price and I'm going to go after it. And what we're going to see in the next few verses is is that Ahab gets shot down and he deals with it like a little baby, right? He is angry and frustrated. It says that he's vexed and sullen. I love those words, vexed and sullen. Essentially, he throws a temper tantrum because he gets turned down. And so he goes home and he talks to Jezebel, right? Jezebel is the only person in his life right there who's speaking into his ear right now. And he goes to her and he's like, babe, listen, I went to him and I said, I wanted your vineyard. I said, I just want to plant a little vegetable garden. I'll pay you for it. And and he said no to me and he's whining and she's, she's really upset about this, right? Any wife would be. I mean, you can imagine like, oh, her husband's so sad. He didn't get what he wanted. So she starts coming up with a plan, right? She, she doesn't lean in and say, is this something you're supposed to do? Is this something that's good for us? Is this the right thing in this moment? Or is this just something we can do? Because certainly you can get that, but should we get that? And I just wonder in this moment if Ahab realizes where his heart's at. It's hard to tell when you're being greedy, isn't it? I mean, he had so much. 
He had this palace and certainly other places he could have planted a vegetable garden, but this was the place with the sun, right? This is the place with the right, you know, the, 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 the land was angled the right way for, for the water drainage. It was just the perfect spot. It's hard to see. It's hard to see when we're being greedy. And oftentimes as leaders, we, we blame greed on other things, don't we? We say, well, I'm just being a visionary, right? No, I'm just being thrifty with my money. We come up with all kinds of terms to cover up our greed. It's a hard thing to see when we're being greedy. In this moment, he's whining and upset, and his wife doesn't see it either. She just sees her husband's upset, and I need to get him what he wants. So it says this in verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And set two worthless men opposite him. And let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, and the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men, just who wants that name, right? And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. Okay, what just happened? What just happened? It goes from just wanting something to I've got to have it, and I'll do anything to get it. And this woman in his life, she has an opportunity to lead him in the right way, to encourage him to do what's going to be good for him and good for the people. Instead, she does exactly what he wants. I don't know what their situation was, but for whatever reason, she either couldn't see it or didn't want to, didn't want to deal with the frustration that would come out in an argument between her and her husband, right? It's like, oh, this just could get awkward. So she just makes this plan to just get him what he wants. Maybe she just got sick of him whining. You know, have you been there where like there's just so much whining for something in your house or with somebody in your life, you're just, I'm so done with this, just give him what he wants. How's that work out? It never works out well. She ends up giving him exactly what he wants. She comes up with this plan. She uses these two men, these worthless men. We don't know if they were criminals, like what they were, but these were worthless men, he's calling them. And they end up coming up with this whole plan and this whole story about Naboth. Ultimately, he's, he's killed. It's interesting they use the fast. And, and a fast was something that, that was used to set time apart to listen to God, to hear God's voice. I mean, this is something that God calls his people to do, to fast. This is a very sacred, powerful thing to be people who fast, who set time apart, who maybe resist doing something or getting something or eating something so they can just kind of focus that energy and that time on hearing God. Instead, what she does is she uses that to, to further her plan so that they can get this piece of property. I want you to write this third thing down. That's that greed manipulates sacred things for selfish things. When you find yourself being greedy, what you find yourself doing is using sacred things, things that God has given you and given maybe even the church to use for selfish things, for your own ambitions, for your own opportunities. For her, it was a fast. I don't know what it is in your life, but here's, here's the thing that I don't think we realize is that the things that we have, 
Every resource we've been given, every opportunity we have is actually a sacred opportunity. If you're one of the people of God, if you're a child of God, if you're like, yep, God is my king, he is my Lord, 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, think about this. That means that everything that you have, like if you're a priest, needs to be dealt with the way that you would expect a priest to deal with things. Like, what would you expect a royal priesthood to do? How would you expect a priest to deal with their stuff? Essentially, that's you as the people of God are called into that. And what we read in this story is just a tragic story of a man who took what was given to him, the generations of sin before him, and he continued on in rebellion against God, worshipped other things. Because he worshipped other things, he became a very greedy man. And his greed led him and his wife to take another man's life so they could get what they wanted. And you're like, Brian, I haven't killed anybody lately for a vineyard. I'm doing pretty good. Brian, I think, I think I'm better than this. I've never walked down this road before. But I wonder for you, like, how does this play out in your life? What does greed look like in your life? Again, it's really hard to see when you're in it. But I would ask you, go back to where we started. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just think about your life. How much do you want right now? And it's okay to have desires and dreams, but I wonder if those wants have turned into needs. The Lord is my, my shepherd, I shall not need anything. And as I think of the life of a believer, here's the reality. Like, the life of a believer isn't always going to be easy. In fact, if anything, the Bible says it's going to get difficult and very hard many times. And I've got a couple of verses to share, and, and these are not popular verses. 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but suffer for his sake. I'm going to come out with like a new line of coffee mugs with all these types of verses on them because nobody puts these in cross-stitch on the wall or in a coffee mug in your kitchen. Nobody does it because we don't like these verses. We, and you guys, listen, I, you may not believe like if I follow Jesus, I'm just going to win the lottery. But I think most of us really do hope that we're going to get more of what we want. I mean, just if we're honest with ourselves, we kind of hope that. And when I read this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You just sense a very simple life of a sheep following a shepherd. Believing the shepherd to be his provider, sustainer, the one who gives him anything and everything he needs. And I wonder in your life if you're ready to live that life. And I wonder if your desire to live the life that's written out in Psalm 23 of just a life of peace is enough for us to be willing to take a step away from greed and towards generosity. Because here's what I know in my world. The only way to combat greed is to give it away. I just know that in my life. And I just am speaking from where I've come from. Um, when, I, when I got married to Amanda, uh, my parents, uh, Christian parents, brought up uh, knowing to, to tithe, you know, give, give 10% to the church, make sure you're looking for people to, to help and to serve. And so as a, as a kid and a teenager, I just kind of thought, well, my parents are doing this for me. You know, essentially I'm kind of riding their coattails. I'm in the house, so I guess I'm kind of part of what they're doing. And then I got out of the house, and I never started a routine of that in my own life. I got married to Amanda, and she starts, like, writing the first tithe check. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm tithing. And I'm like, we should talk about that right? Should have a conversation about that. Because here's the deal. At that point, I was working at the church. I was starting to lead worship part-time, and I was, I was starting to do what I talked about last week, which I was starting to kind of substitute 
being somebody who's giving for somebody who's like, well, I'm giving my time, right? And so we had some great conversations about what it looks like to be a generous person, somebody who gives. And I didn't really understand it, I think, as much as I do now at that point, how much of that wasn't so much about even supporting the church or making the church run as it was about my own heart. Because here, here's the deal, you guys. I, I love money. How's that from a pastor? Right? Am I supposed to be more holy than that? I do. I feel like um, money, if anything is my security other than God, it's money. Anybody else willing to say that? I hope you are. I hope you are because let's be honest, this is a problem in the world around us. It's the one thing everybody's chasing after. And so as we, you know, we, we figured it out, Amanda and I, we started tithing. And here's the thing, we had nothing at that point. We lived in a little bitty house. Some of you were like, I didn't have a house. Well, I have a house. It was just kind of small. Um, you know, we, had, we were just barely making it, barely scraping by. I'm working a couple jobs. Amanda's working, just getting by. We couldn't afford to do it, you guys. We couldn't afford to do it. It didn't make any sense to do it. All we had going for us was God says that he's our provider. He's our shepherd. And when he's our shepherd, we won't want. And so that's all we had to work on. And so this has been a journey for our entire relationship of just trusting God. And so it started with us just kind of pulling the Band-Aid off and say, we're just going to do this. We're just going to be people who give. And so over the years, God has grown us in that and given us new opportunities and new convictions on how to give and how to be generous not beyond that, and just to, to pray about opportunities and to just, instead of making it a big, long conversation, to go, go do it. And so we went through what's called the Financial Peace University. Anybody been through that? FPU, a few of you guys in the room. Super helpful for us. Because in that, he talks about like, hey, keep some money in your wallet to bless somebody. Agree on what that's going to be as a couple or if you're married or, you know, as a single person, budget what that's going to be so that when God says, just give this money away, you got it in your pocket. Budget for it. Make, make, make space for that. And you guys, this has been so revolutionary in our lives to be giving things away. Here's what I believe about this. I believe that the amount that you release is directly proportional to the amount of your peace. The more that you give, not just financially, but the more that you trust God with your health, that you trust God with your job, that you trust God with your children, that you trust God with your future, the more that you give to God, the more peaceful you'll get. Why? Because then he's really your shepherd. Because like I said earlier, you know, whatever, whatever you're following, that's what's got you. The thing that you're following is what's got you. And so are you following the good shepherd? That's what Jesus calls himself. He's the good shepherd. Let me paint you two different pictures. Let's say there's two very rich men, you know. They've both got, you know, the 2017 Land Rover. They've both got, like, the very big house. They've got exactly the same things. They've got exactly the same amount of money in their bank accounts. They've got exactly the same. But one of them is generous, and one of them is greedy. They both got exactly the same things. I believe with all my heart that the man who's generous will be able to enjoy what he has in, in monumental ways, way beyond the man who is greedy. Because the man who's greedy is always looking for more. There, there's, there's never enough. Why? Because our hearts are, are black holes of, of just like this lacking peace and, and lacking security and, and safety apart from Jesus. And we, I know that. And so like without that, without that peace, without generosity, we're just going to keep looking for peace and security in other things. We're going to be looking for the next thing. So same picture, two poor people, right? They barely have the clothes on their backs. Maybe don't even have a house to live in. Both have a dollar in their checking account. 
They have very, one's generous and one is greedy. I believe that the one who's generous will be able to enjoy that dollar and enjoy the clothes on their back and enjoy that one meal a day in monumental ways more than the man who's greedy. And this is, a, this is an idea that we see throughout Scripture. And, and, and Jesus makes it so clear. He says, where, you know, where your treasures are, your, your heart will be also. Like, those will be the things that you go after. And so are you after the kingdom of God? Or are you after the new Denali, right? Well, what is it that, that, that consumes your thoughts? What is it that you're thinking, you know what? I'd be willing to eat some Dave's Insanity hot sauce if somebody would give me one of those. And, and we, again, we don't see it, you guys. But I think about, just think about little things in your life. What is God calling you to do? It may be something like, okay, do my quiet time. Okay, I just need to wake up in the morning and get in the word of God. He's been calling me to do that for a while. I haven't done it. Let me just ask you a question. If I said I'd give you a, a bright, you know, crisp new $100 bill every time you did your quiet time, would you do your quiet times? Everybody's got a price, right? All of a sudden, we're really convicted to do some quiet times. I don't think we realize that the, the things we say we can't do this, a lot of times we just don't have the motivation or desire to do it. Why? Because that's not our shepherd. Or that, you know, whatever it is. It's like God's calling us to do this. When he's our shepherd, we're going to follow him. We're going to follow the shepherd. We're going to trust what he says. We're going to believe he's leading me this way. I just think that's going to be the best way. It may be hard. It may lead to persecution. It may mean, mean less whatever it is that I'm after. But I'm going to believe that that's what God has for me. I don't know if you're loving this message. It's a little quiet in this room. But um, I'm just so convicted about this personally, you guys. And I just think of a church. I think of a church of people who live this. Lives where we just, we're open-handed with all that we, all that we get. Because you guys know this. Like, we don't, we don't give God what's ours. We give back to God what's already his, Right? And so we live open-handedly with, with everything that he puts in our hands and we see everything as a sacred opportunity to expand his kingdom, whatever it may be. Everything, here's what I know, everything in my account, everything that I have, all of my resources, all my, my, my job, my children, everything around me is a sacred opportunity to expand his kingdom, every bit of it. And so when we begin to see it that way, we just hold it open-handedly. We say, okay, God, whatever you allow me to eat, whatever you allow me to enjoy, if you're here tonight and you got a nice car, you don't have to feel bad about having a nice car. If you're here tonight you got a big house, don't have to feel bad about having a big house. I'm asking you, do you live a life of generosity or of greed? And just to be honest with yourself about that. Last week we did something called Dollar for Change. You guys, we brought in, I think, $1,554 in dollar bills. Isn't that awesome? Let's thank God for that. Dollar bills. Those are $1 bills, and we're going to use those to bless a family. I don't know who it's going to be. God always brings us somebody, and, uh, and I'm so excited. That's one of my favorite things to do as a church. But that's when everybody brings a dollar bill. Can you afford that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all can. I just think, what would it be like if we all live lives of generosity? When we first trusted God with what he calls us to do, just to, to give to support local ministry, and then we lean in even farther, and we say, who am I going to bless? You know, where's the single mom I'm going to buy a dryer for? You know, where's the, the family in need who's having some medical issues? I'm just going to lean in. I'm going to take care of some of those bills. Like, how am I going to trust God? You know, how am I going to be used by God? You say again, I can't afford this. You need to realize you serve the creator of all things. You, you, you serve God himself who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? That's, that's what he says. I own everything on earth. God's not lacking resources. 
When he's your shepherd, you'll have no wants. I think the reality is we're just not super comfortable with living a life of only our needs. We're not really ready to to trust God with that and to believe that if I've got all of my needs met, is that enough? If everything that I I need is taken care of, is that enough? Is, Is that enough for us? I don't know that we're ready to trust God with that. And here's what I'm asking you tonight. Just consider what that would look like. Here's the thing. I'm not up here talking about this because like we didn't pay the bills this month. Like, God's providing for us. God's, so many of you are so generous, like just crazy generous in this church and I love that. This is, I hope you believe me, this is about our hearts. You guys, I understand money today in ways that I didn't when I was 20. And I only understand what it is and it only has, I think, a healthy place in my life now, at least healthier than it did, because I've been generous, because God has convicted us to do this, and I've just, through the, like, grinding of my teeth sometimes, put the money in the box, or through the grinding of my teeth, you know, just hit send on the, you know, on the PayPal to somebody who needed some money, like, it's just hard. I don't know, again, you're like, what kind of pastor is this? But it's just hard sometimes, isn't it? I mean, be honest, it's just hard to do it. Then you do it, and you're like, ah, it's so good. It's so good, and God always comes through. And the people in this room that that live generous lives, they would sit down with you and tell you stories about how God's come through for them. They would sit down and tell you stories about how God has provided everything they've needed and how they've got this lifestyle where they just trust God with everything they have. And you know what? They're not as stressed as they used to be. It's funny, you can have the same amount of money in your bank account and be way less stressed when you're living a life of generosity. We think, well, if we just get more money or if we just get the thing, I'll feel better about my life. God says, no, I'm your shepherd. Follow me, and you will have no want. Let me pray for us. Man, God, this conversation went different than I thought it was gonna. (laughs) And your word, God, it just speaks to us, and it cuts to the core of who we are. And um, Father, I I, I just want to confess what I confessed earlier, God. I know that there's a part of my heart that loves money and that believes that I can find security with a number on a computer screen. I know that, God. And so, God, I I confess that to you, and I ask that you would continue to to draw me away from that into better things, into greener pastures, into stiller waters. Ah, Jesus, we know that this, this, this whole idea of security and peace, God, it's got... It's got a grip on our hearts and a grip on the hearts of the people in our world around us and our culture. People are so stressed out. God, they've got all kinds of stuff and they're still stressed out. We just want to live lives apart from that, God. Lives of peace, trusting that you are our provider, God. So tonight, I just, maybe there's one person in this room that just needs to take a step forward and trust you with their finances. That needs to trust, God, that that being greedy is not a way to peace but only by making you their shepherd will they walk away from idolatry and find peace with what we have. God, we all want to know that in new ways. So as we worship here in just a moment, God, as we worship, could could we just release some of our control to you? Could we trust that a life of generosity, trusting you with all that we have is always going to be a life with more peace? Could you deeply convict us of that, God, and show us what the next step is? God, so that we can move forward and trust you more. We love you, Jesus. You give us everything we need. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.